Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com. When your successful dream business completely falls apart overnight because of coronavirus, what do you do? Today, I speak with Cassandra Showstrom, the founder of Atmosfoo, a company that makes candles in a reusable candle holder, preventing waste from single-use glass candle containers. Cassandra had a successful catering business that she was forced to shut down as a result of COVID, and she pivoted by creating Atmosfoo. In this episode, we go through some of her important entrepreneurial lessons of starting a sustainable business. Hey, Cassandra, thank you very much for joining us on the Sustainability Champions podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, to be honest, I have been following you guys on social media for about three years Thank to you. stay motivated and to like watch all these people doing amazing things. So the fact that I'm here really, truly, truly means a lot to me. That's awesome. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's, it's really great to have you. And I appreciate those kind words. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what you do. Uh, so you have a company called Atmosfoo. What yes. is Atmosfoo? Well, Atmosfoo is a candle company. And to start the company, what we first did was we kind of stepped back and thought, okay, we want to make an amazing candle company. What do we focus on? We wanted to make sure that the scents are full-bodied, rich, deep, and smell amazing. That's the first step. Then the second step, after you kind of nail the performance and it make sure the consumer is going to have a really great experience. We needed to figure out how to make it more sustainable and to make it more sustainable. What we wanted to do and what we've done is we've eliminated the use for single use candle container waste. So you don't need to use a single use candle container anymore. You can use our reusable candle holder and refill candles. So first we started with how to make it smell great, have a great performance. And then we transitioned into how do we make it more sustainable than what currently exists? I think personally, that is awesome because I'm of the belief that if you ever create a sustainable product, um, it always has to first be a fantastic product on its own. Exactly. Exactly. And then you think about sustainability after that. That's like exactly. sort of like a plus on top of it. Obviously you as the, as the business owner, you think I want to create a sustainable product, yeah. but from the consumer's point of view, they have to love the product, even if it's not sustainable. Cause exactly. then there's a motivation. Nail the core. Exactly. Nail the core and then move on to how do I improve this? How do I make it more sustainable? 
Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so I, I love that, that that's how you started, because to me, that's what creates personally, uh, that's what I believe creates a successful, sustainable product is one that it's actually as good, if not better than the conventional one. So we're going for, for better. <laughs> so exactly. yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That's yeah. Um, and so this single use candle container situation that's happening right now, that's the way conventional candles are. I'm imagining when you say that, what I picture is basically I get like a, a candle, it comes in glass usually, although sometimes yep. plastic, I think. Um, and then once I'm done with the candle, I'm left with this glass thing, which I don't really have any use for, I guess. And then I just throw well, it away. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. The traditional industry, it's like you get this beautiful glass container with this amazing fragrance in it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, you have all the best intentions. You're like, this is going to hold my toothbrushes up. This is going to hold my Q-tips. You're going to reuse it. But then you realize I like scented candles and I have a candle graveyard that's kind of like tucked away in a drawer that you don't really use. You try to repurpose, you try to upcycle, but you run out of things to do. So then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to take out all the wax so I can recycle it. That's not the case because a lot of recycling centers, most of them can't handle glass containers because the glass is heat treated or the glass is like more weak. Or if there is some residue of wax, it's going to damage the machines, possibly break their machines, and they can't do anything with it, they're going to have to toss it themselves. So it's, it's really, consumers are actually being forced to toss away their candle container. It's awful. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize that. Yeah. And if you're a big fan of candles and you're using one or two, if you're throwing away one or two a week, I mean, that's a hundred candles, up to a hundred candles a year. And exactly. who knows how many millions of people love to use one or two candles a week. So exactly. They say that the U.S. statistics of candles that are purchased every year is about three billion of candle products just in the U.S. Three billion. And only around, yes, and only about 8% of that is actually, those candle containers are actually recycled. Mm -hmm. well, so that leads to a lot of waste going into landfills. Yeah. So that, yeah, that sounds about right. Because, I mean, if you think about recycling statistic, I think it's about the same for plastic, like eight or 9% of all plastic ever uh that that goes into recycling wait eight or nine percent of all plastic is ever recycled i believe so like most plastic isn't recycled even if you end up putting most of it in like all of it in the recycling bin most of it isn't recycled and i guess it's the same thing with glass so three well, it billion. Has to be. yeah think about it because they want to when you use recycled glass that's amazing that's great mm -hmm. but the recycling the production there the recycling centers have to be able to produce a quality recycled glass with yeah. candle containers, typically that is not the case at all. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And so, so that that's one aspect of atmosphere is the um, the this glass container, which is obviously a huge waste challenge, um, which you're yeah. turning into an opportunity. And then the other aspect is the ingredients, right? That's you can sure. make candles out of a whole bunch of stuff. Sometimes really unhealthy things, from what I've understood. Sure. So how does how does atmosphere make its candles? Well, okay, so atmosphere, we kind of thought about a few things. We thought about the people, then we thought about full use, the reuse, and then we also thought about materials. So if we were to talk about the materials, you wanna make sure that you use soy wax or vegetable wax, and you don't use paraffin, which is a toxic wax. But that is more the simple part. 
it should be really easy for consumers to just go and buy a non-toxic candle. That is what I consider the easy part because the hard part with materials is actually the production. So for, for our units and why that's difficult for our production is we're providing refill candles that are not shipped in a single use candle container. Therefore, we made a biodegradable container that matches our reusable candle container. So it can actually withstand transport. In transport, soy wax will melt. It is in hot trucks. It is possibly on hot ships. It is definitely in like hot storage containers in different, different areas around the world. So if you want to have a larger scale candle company, you need to solve that production problem for your materials. What you use should be the easy part. Now, transporting it is a more complex part. And that was what I found more challenging to figure out of how to do for atmosphere. And so what, so can you just say it one more time? What is the solution to that transportation issue? Because, yeah, you you sort of, as the consumer, you at least for me, I completely don't think about how this product got to me. I just think, oh, great. It's a soy-based exactly. candle. Great. Um, but I don't exactly. think about anything else. You shouldn't have to think about that. You shouldn't have to think about the materials. You shouldn't have to think, oh my gosh, this candle might be toxic. That shouldn't be a question right. at all. Like, I feel like the materials of what the candle's made out of is kind of like beaten, you know, just over and over and over. But that should be simple. The mm -hmm. consumer should not even have to deal with that. So let's say, okay, that's finished. We've solved it. Now the transportation. For us, we made, it's out of Bagos, so we made a biodegradable shipping container for our refill candles that perfectly matches our candle holder. So that's how we solved it. And so when I, if I buy the refill, um, it yep. comes in, and Bagos, what is Bagos? Uh, Bagos is basically like leftover sugarcane. So mm -hmm. when they process sugar, there's some like leftover sugarcane fibers. So we take the sugarcane fibers and then it's processed and made into like a pulp-like paper that's then made into our candle containers and the shape matches perfectly. Awesome. So yeah. you're using waste agriculture material to create some form of paper-like thing. Yes. Right? And then the candle refill, which is just wax, sits in this yes. paper um, and that paper actually uh, prevents it, the candle from melting while being. Yes. If the candle does kind of like have a little bit of melting action happen during transport, it'll kind of be solidified in its shape still oh, when it see. is like less melted. So it keeps its shape during transport. Gotcha. Cause so it does, like, it's not a, it's not an ice box. Like it can't keep yeah, it yeah. from not melting at all but it definitely makes it so your candle is still going to function. It's not going to be melted all over the package at the very bottom, yeah. which everybody's kind of gotten a product like that from Amazon on occasion where something's melted everywhere. So this will actually eliminate that from happening. So that kind of production and logistics issue like allowed atmosphere to happen. That's so cool. And so, so this candle with the, the paper bagasse thing that's wrapped around it yep. perfectly fits into the reusable yep. candle holder. And then when you actually exactly. burn the candle, what happens to that bagasse thing then? You take it off. So oh, you take it you off first. To, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, okay. yes. We, we are um, actually, there's, we are printing on the outside of the bagasse to remove the wrapper. So we do say take it off and then you can either like toss it in your compost, put it in recycle, whatever you want to do with it because it's biodegradable. So we've talked about the candles you've talked about, or the actual uh, wax candle aspect. What about the candle container itself? How, how is that made and, and what's special about it? 
like I said, when we first developed the concept for the company and the products were atmosphere, we thought about four things, which were the people, the reuse, the full use, and the materials. We just talked about the materials. And now the container, we want to make sure the container was full use and reuse. And we needed to make this easy. So one way that we did this is we made a two-part holder with an interior jar and exterior jar. So we want to stop a few things from happening. We want to stop surface burn and then contact burn for the consumer. Mm -hmm. So we have the ability to reduce heat transfer because we use two jars. Um, that allows the consumer to burn their candle all the way to the bottom. So there's no wax waste. One of the number one consumer complaints that I found online from reading all over Amazon everywhere that is wax waste mm -hmm. and consumers like they should honestly be able to use all of the wax and all the scent that they paid for candles sometimes are not very cheap. So basically taking a little bit of that couple ounces away from them is a big deal. I think it's very unfair. So we want to create a container that you can safely burn all the way down to the bottom. So then cleaning it isn't really a big issue because there isn't really, if any, wax left over. Mm -hmm. So the consumers can actually safely use it and burn all the wax. That makes sense. Um, yeah. and, and so how, what is this whole thing about tunneling? What exactly is tunneling? Okay, so tunneling is when you basically burn a candle and then all of a sudden there becomes a hole in yeah. the middle of a candle that where it burrows down and the wick is kind of like hiding itself in this little hole because you're not burning it all the way. Mm -hmm. Statistics show that consumers typically burn four hours or less, mostly less. So we need to create a candle shape, like the shape of a candle with three wicks where a consumer can burn it just for like an hour, two hours, the typical actual candle usage time and not experience tunneling that will create them to actually have wax waste. So we made our candle for how the consumer actually uses it. So um, was there a specific moment when you realized that Atmosphere is the work that you wanted to do and this is where you wanted to, to focus all of your time? I think that Atmosphere has kind of been a, a lifelong process. Like the building, box have, the building blocks have been instilled in me for a while. Um, so for example, when I was a child, I became vegetarian that turned into vegan. And I didn't do this to be different. I did this because it was the right thing to do. And also when I was growing up, I paid for my own college. So it taught me how to be sustainable. I became sustainable out of necessity. I learned how to reuse, recycle, and do without. So when I say I want a product to be vegan, eco-friendly, or sustainable, those aren't just words to me. It's literally who I am and what I want to do. I remember a really formative meeting, actually. Um, I had just graduated university and you're supposed to meet the counselor, the guidance counselor, and tell them what you want to do, right? So I went to her office and I was chatting with her. I was like, I want to move to New York. I want to move to Los Angeles. And I grew up in a small town in Oregon. So I want to move to New York. I want to move to Los Angeles. I want to do a little acting. I want to build a company. And, you know, just going hopes and dreams, right? Going on and on. She goes, okay, do you have any resources for this? And I felt like she could see that I didn't have much resources. And she told me that I needed to be more realistic. So I left her office. And I remember walking down the hall. And I was actually really upset 
But as I walked down the hall and I got outside of the building, I was like, she doesn't know who I am. This lady has no clue that I worked a lot of jobs paid for my college, where I grew up. She knows nothing about me. We just had this small meeting. And honestly, I ended up, I moved to New York. I moved to Los Angeles. I did every creative project I could, but then I was still broke. I didn't, I, I couldn't really figure out adulting. Like, how exactly do I do this? I was working like every odd job that was available to try to like do stuff that was also creative, do stuff that was like fun for me, but then also like live. Um, and I remember just like one day I was like driving for Uber and I was just like, it was the end of the shift. Someone was a total jerk and I was crying and I was like, okay, um, what am I going to do? I went to business school. Um, I need to figure out how to start a business. I need to figure out how to do this for myself. I woke up every single morning, really early in the morning, like four or 5 a.m., drove for Uber, ended my like work shift, usually did another job or did an audition, or I would then work on my corporate catering company that I was building at the time. I would just make phone calls and be like, call the receptionist. I would like look up the larger companies online and then I would call the receptionist and be like, hello, have you fed your humans? And then they would like laugh. And then sometimes I would get in the door and I'd say, hey, can I give you some free food? So then I would bring them free food and then I would get an order. I got clients like BuzzFeed, Tinder, Bird, like all of a sudden the company was doing amazing. It was like, I was successful. I was adulting and I was fucking killing it. I was about to buy my first house. Um, we were working on an expansion to San Francisco because this was all built in the Los Angeles market. And um, then like uh, the pandemic hit and um, you can probably tell because it was catering and um, basically we lost everything overnight. Um, it was really, really hard. And it wasn't like a no from an audition or a no from a relationship or a no from this guidance counselor. It was like a no from the world. <laughs> I, uh, it was really, really difficult. Um, I moved back to Oregon so I kind of check on my parents during this whole pandemic. So yeah, myself and millions of other people just, we lost our livelihoods and we were lost and didn't know what to do. So I felt like this journey through like the first year of the pandemic was me being like, okay, you've kind of had a couple ideas in the back of your mind. You've been working on a different, different concepts, like I was doing a little materials testing, but I wasn't like full force on anything yet. I was just kind of like playing with other stuff because I had my company going. I was doing a lot of charity work. And these were all just like fun little ideas that might develop into something that I was kind of tinkering with, right? And during the pandemic, it was like a really long walk down that hall. Um, and through that kind of like anxiety and depression of what was happening, I needed to like get out of my own head, get out of my own way. And I remember making that decision like, okay, well, you lost your company, Cassandra, you haven't worked a little bit for anyone else. What do you do? And I was like, do I take a job that's safer or do I take a job that's less safe, that's going to make me happier, that fits with all of my values? So I went through all the projects I'd been tinkering with that have been on my list that have kind of been developing and Atmosphere fit every little one. It was vegan. It was sustainable. It was actually making a change. And it, it, it made me feel good because the candles actually give people a positive experience. And I'm also, I'm able to give them a little bit of the eco joy now because it is a product that actually is more sustainable than the traditional candle like industry. So 
the moment probably was when I went through the checklist again and went on all the projects I've been tinkering with and then kind of like found myself again. Uh, that was the moment. It was like, this is it. This is what's happening. Nothing will stop you. That's a great story. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a very challenging story. And, uh, you know, there certainly has its ups and downs. Um, I think it's it's amazing to hear that despite the fact that you were things were going so well and then all of a sudden one literally one day it just all shut down you were able to I take feel like, that sorry go yeah on. no no i feel like so many other people the exact same thing happened mm. so many other people had to refine themselves through the pandemic yeah absolutely um uh, and i've heard some of these stories and it must be really 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 challenging um i think it's it's amazing and applaudable that you um you know, took that time when things kind of all fell apart and were able to go in and yeah. <laughs> find the way forward. Well, honestly, it was like, it kind of kept me going in a way. I was like, kind of, I went through like the rough part and then I was like, you need to get a project to get yourself going. Mm -hmm. And as I worked on it more and more, it was challenging to figure it out. Like I said, communicating with all the different companies and like figuring out, okay, what material works? Like what kind of coding should it have? all like the little nuances of it to create it, to make it functional um, was tedious, mm -hmm. but like I had something to work for and I had a reason to work. I honestly feel like it brought me out of like my depression from the pandemic. I'm sure it did. Yeah, action uh, frequently creates motivation and inspiration. Uh, so you have True. to start, kickstart it. And then all of a sudden the momentum happens. You're like, oh, wow, I'm gonna keep going with this. And yeah, it's amazing. So that's, that's really, it's a, I mean, it's a great story. And I think, I mean, it sounds like you may be happier now than when you have the catering company, because this work that you're doing with the candles ticks all of the boxes where it's maybe the catering company didn't quite do it in the same way, but I'm making an assumption. Well, you know, you might be true. You might, <laughs> you might be correct. So you, you might be correct. Um, I was a lot, I was able to do a lot of charity work that was really fulfilling as well when I had mm. the catering company. Um, but yeah, I do think that this actually, I think you, I think you're right. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And time will tell, but I think what's really cool about, about atmosphere is its ability to scale and to grow and, and, you know, sure. this really could be a global brand catering is much more cha challenging to make a global yes. phenomenon. Um, whereas this, I mean, you, you can make impact around the world for people all over the world. Um, and, and on that point about what it's like to run a business, uh, you know, starting, starting a business in sustainability, I think comes with its own set of challenges because like we were talking oh, about yeah. <laughs> earlier, there's, first of all, the, the product has to be good in and of itself, but yep. then you also have to remember, wait a second, we can't just use any materials and we can't just use any yep. form of transportation. We have to really think about how we do this. It's very conscious. Um, so what would you say are some of the, the challenges that are associated? And, and I suppose you, you have a point of reference as well, because with the catering business, um, although I don't know very much about it, but you had the catering business and this atmosphere is a very specific, specifically sustainable company um so yes what are the challenges associated with starting and running a business that is focused so heavily on sustainability well i would say it goes across the board for a uh, multitude of different industries and it's really reinventing the wheel so a lot of companies that have existed for a very long time they do not consider themselves broken because they are profitable however right. 
they are broken in the sense of they are creating more of a waste cycle than they need to. So when you start to develop a sustainable product and you're trying to change how production and manufacturing is made or logistics, that is a mighty task to undertake. So entrepreneurs, as you're creating a new sustainable business, you really have to think about how it's going to work and how it's going to scale and how you're going to get larger companies to work with you and how you're going to actually make product for enough people. And I feel like that is the most challenging part. Mm. However, that is a challenging part. But if you figure that out, you are going to do quite well. Right now, is it's a different era. Right now, you're not laughed at for these sustainable ideas. You're not laughed at for like creating something that's more eco-friendly. You're applauded. You're more likely to get investors. Like the time is now for sustainable entrepreneurs to like get going, move their ideas, work on their projects. Like it is ripe with opportunity right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very exciting. It feels to me like sustainability is becoming... Um, very mainstream and really cool as well. And, and everyone's well, getting involved. And that's great. That Absolutely. means you're going to have more consumers. I mean, you know more than anyone because you're getting approached by so many different companies and you're able to hear all these amazing ideas all the time, like how much the world is changing. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And, and yeah, when, when you start to really dig deep um, and, and into this world, it's amazing the all the ideas and all the various like industries that you would never ever think of. Most people don't know. I mean, I don't know. And when I say most people, I'm really talking about myself. The way some of the technology that's coming out to help uh, different industries be sustainable. Um, yep. And there's just so many opportunities, and it, and it's becoming it's everywhere now. Like these sustainable ideas are permeating the entire like business world from it's amazing. candles to food to shipping and trucking and lights. I mean, everything you can possibly think of, there's someone who's finding a creative way to make it more sustainable. Which is the amazing. hardest part is just, just adjusting the system. Mm-hmm. That's honestly the hardest part, making sure it works and figuring out how to have the system work to create your product. Yeah. And I think right now it's, um, it's challenging because those systems aren't in place in the conventional way or the way it's been done for a long time is the norm. And so it's just going to take time for it to move in that direction. But the more, you know, the more sustainable systems are requested and the more demand there is for it, it'll start to switch the other way. It's, it's a process and it just takes time, but it's because of, you know, people like you who are actually pushing things forward and saying, I need Bagos specifically for candles uh, and for yeah. wax, all of a sudden you have this company who's like, oh, we never actually thought of that. I wonder if there's anyone else who's interested. And now like, you know, that's mm-hmm. moving things forward uh, and it does make a big difference. Exactly. And I, I really appreciate that statement. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's, I think it's true. Um, what about Uh, And I think this is one of the big challenges associated with sustainability, because you're right, I have seen and talked to a number of companies who create awesome sustainable products. um, And the one consistent thing about these products typically is that they cost more than the conventional product. Um, So what do you say to people um, or kind of what, yeah, what, what do you say if someone tells you, the price of a sustainable sustainable product is too high. How do you how do you approach that? 
Well, it depends. Some of there's, it's like a budget and investment, right? So if you buy a, a budget product, so for instance, a candle container that's like a really great smelling, good looking candle might be an average of $32. But our reusable candle system, the first initial purchase is $55, which is obviously more. But the long run, each of our refills is $16. So then each new candle holder is, or each new candle holder is the completely single use is $32. So in the long run, after just a few candles that you use, ours is actually less expensive. But one of the reasons why sustainable companies are more expensive is because they are not doing mass production yet. They are teaching the system how to be more sustainable. They're teaching the system like, hey, this is, this is what's going to be happening. This is new they don't have the ability to drop like what their price is because they have little to no profit margin. Mm. Like they are, they're like losing money for the first several years just to push out this idea. There's so many entrepreneurs out there that are working so hard and they're like, you know, like just getting by. They're, le- they're learning to be more sustainable in their own lives because they have to reuse, recycle and do without just so they can make this product that they really care about. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons, like I said, it costs more is because it's not in mass production yet. Mm -hmm. So these consumers, and a lot of consumers already know this, you need to grow with the company. So if you really like the company, you see what they're doing and you care about them, and you agree with like their statement and you see their product and you believe in it. Just if you can start making that choice instead of, the old choice. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. And and I mean, in terms of the the previous question about challenges associated with starting and running a business, yes. that's definitely a big challenge. You know, uh, losing money for a number of years just to get the idea out there and to yeah. set up the systems and and make it work. Um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, the the way you outlined it, um, fifty five dollars for the first one yes that's more expensive but then yeah. $16 moving forward you know uh, makes so much more sense than paying $32 every single time exactly and creating a possible candle graveyard in one of your cabinets or attempting to recycle but then it's a you basically your mission is futile like once it gets there it's not going to happen and so just going back to this idea of entrepreneurship what would you say to new entrepreneurs that are thinking about starting a more sustainable business right now and maybe they're a little nervous they're not quite sure where to start Um, they have an idea they want to pursue it Um, but yeah i mean do you have any advice to to people like that well um i'd say my first advice is you truly have to believe in what you're doing if you don't believe in what you're doing or you're just trying to do it because you think that it will sell like you're not going to have that passion to follow you through the really, really hard parts. Mm-hmm. Make sure this is really a passion pursuit for you. And if you check that box, which I'm sure most of them will, they'll check that passion pursuit, then run the idea by your friends. And then think about how you could possibly scale it and the challenges you might face. Like, how does it actually work? Like, how does it fully work? Mm-hmm. And then if you can figure out your friends like it, you like it, it fully works, then you might be onto something because if you can like hit those goals right away, the world is open for these new sustainable ventures. Like right now is the time. And I would push them to just move forward no matter what, make mistakes. The more mistakes you make, like the more likely you are going to succeed. The only thing you have to do is not let 
those mistakes let you like lose your faith or not pursue what you're trying to pursue. And pivoting is not like pivoting is okay. If you need to pivot or adjust like your initial idea, that's great. If you're still making something more sustainable, you're still doing the world a service. Mm -hmm. So I would say go for it. Like now is the time. Like old industries are faced with two questions, like keep doing what they're doing and die to all these new sustainable companies or merge and like kind of like partner with them. So now is the time. Yeah, I think those are <laughs> all really good points. Um, yeah, I think I, I really like what you're saying about about make mistakes uh, as many as you can, as quickly yeah. as you can. I mean, don't make mistakes on purpose. Do you, I think do yeah. your best. But um, yeah, it, it's it's much better to fail, make little failures very, very quickly and then and then yeah. adjust and grow um, and you'll figure out soon enough, is this working? And if it's not, then you pivot. And there's, I think there's, um, I, I don't know, but my guess is that some people feel like they they fail if they pivot. But actually I see that as a huge success because a pivot means yeah. you've, you've learned a lot and now you're taking all of that knowledge and experience that you've made over the last couple of months, couple of years. Exactly. And you realize actually that's not quite right, but I have a better idea. And so we're just gonna adjust and move in a different direction. And there's totally- exactly. It's not that there's nothing wrong with it. I, I say it's actually really good. Like you should be pivoting if you see a better opportunity. Um, it's like going to a buffet and you're you're getting a big plate of food and you realize, wait a second, I didn't realize there was this like- Yeah, wait, is the dessert there. over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and put this down without the food waste somehow. <laughs> and I'm just gonna like pivot and start again. No, you just put it on your table. You're gonna eat it next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you deal with it later. Um, and so- where is Atmosphoo now and where do you see it in a few years? So we are in the early stages and we are basically building up for expected consumer demand. Um, in a few years, uh, we see ourselves making a large impact by reducing the amount of single-use candle containers. So Atmosphoo isn't something that I'm doing alone. Like, Every single consumer that purchases a holder and then a refill, like they're building to that number of reducing single use candle containers. Luckily, our consumers are people that also care about reducing waste and care about having like an amazing smelling candle. So we're kind of in this together. Super cool. And yeah, with 3 billion single use candles being, or 3 billion candles being purchased every year yeah. just in the US. Uh, hopefully that's a number you approach in the very near future because yeah if we can reduce <laughs> that would be amazing <laughs> yeah if we could reduce that many that would be awesome so for for people who want a fantastic reusable uh, sustainable candle where yeah. can people go to learn more about atmosphu and, and actually try the product well, they can go to atmosphu.com. That's A-T-M-O-S-B-U.com. Or they can find us on Atmosphu on Instagram. Awesome. And one thing we didn't actually ask or uh, talk sure. about is the name. What does Atmosphu mean? Um, for me, it means luxury atmosphere. Nice. <laughs> so I nice actually one. remember um, talking to my boyfriend's dad and telling him the name of the company, Atmosphere, he's like, what does that mean? He asked me the same question. And I go, it's like luxury atmosphere. And then it's like atmosphere, but then more luxurious, right? And then he goes, yeah, in your mind. And I was like, in my mind, I was kind of insulted. But I was like, exactly, it's in my mind, but it's gonna be a company. There you go, and now it is. Exactly. 
So atmosfood.com, that's where you can go uh, and, and yeah. get the, the candle holder and the initial candles. And then uh, when you've sustainably burned the whole thing and used all the wax, then you can go and back to the website and buy refills. Correct. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to giving it a try and best of luck with taking over the world with sustainable candles. I'm, and uh, best of luck with growing the business. And I'm thrilled that you were able to pivot uh, during a challenging time uh, in thank COVID. You, thank you. And you've come up with, with something that sounds like you're really passionate about it and it's, um, it's going to make a big impact. So best of luck and thanks so much for, for chatting with me about it. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time and being with me today. Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students, to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com.